Welcome into episode 28 of the Godly Young Men podcast. We are very excited to have Joe back with us. Welcome home. Good to be home. I hope uh, to the, the, having your feet kicked up on the beach was nice and relaxing while yeah. the rest of it... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, good to have Joe back. Reese, my brother, filled in last week. Yeah. I think he did an outstanding job. Thanks, um, Reese. If you did not catch the episode, go back and watch it. We talked kind of about politics and culture and whether or not we should care about that. And spoiler alert, me and Reese, and I, I assume Joe does as well. We think that you should. It would have been great to have you on that. I know you have some thoughts. That, man, that would have been a good about, yeah, about yeah. that topic. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode. And let Reese you know. is so good, though, because we talk was, about it all yeah. the time. Yeah, Reese is so good on that subject. So I'm glad you got him for that one. Yeah, he's got a lot of interest in that. And hey, we did the whole thing in one take. He didn't have any good mess ups. Him. He did great. So, But no, it's good to have Joe back. Uh, we've got a. Very, very serious topic. This is one that we no doubt could not have done without Joe um, because of the because of his specialty, what he does for a living, and all of his experience with helping people through this. We're talking about pornography mm-hmm. with this episode, and we have had an episode, I don't remember the number, um, about dealing with lust, and that by far has been one of our most important episodes. It's been one of the ones that we pray, or we hope and pray has helped people more than any other, um, but we kind of stayed away from pornography specifically in that episode we talked more so about kind of day-to-day life the stuff that you see the movies and and media that you consume and kind of how to deal with lust in that instance and we kind of left pornography off the table for that episode because we knew we were going to need an episode like this one devoted solely to pornography um so i'm going to hand it off to joe to kind of get us into this mammoth of a topic i mean this is something that we could easily do a three four five six episode arc on because there's just so much to dive into but as far as importance goes, this might be the most important episode we've done to date. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'm going to hate to say I'm going to say it right off the top. In my opinion, it's kind of inescapable. Yeah. I do hate to say it, but it is not if Pornography you it, you're talking about. Pornography, correct, yeah. yeah. It's not if you see it, but when is right. really kind of what it seems like. Um, and I hate that. I hate that we're in a world that's so inundated by it. But I was hearing from a guy recently, and um, shout out Chris, great guy. He was helping at a... Uh, I guess it's a youth camp or something like that over the summer. And so they got into some difficult topics. And sure. this is one of the topics that, that they were discussing. And I think that's fantastic. First off, any youth camp that you're doing, I think it's good to have these discussions. And I don't want to misquote him, but I think he said upwards of 90 said that lust and, and like this problem, 90%, um, we're struggling with it. Well, it's to the point real quick where if you come across a young man specifically that says, I don't really struggle with specifically lust, I guess, right. you're, you'd look at him like, really? And you if sure? you say you haven't seen it, it's like, are you lying to me? Right. right. Uh, because statistically, I think it's 93%, and in my opinion, it's higher than that, but it's 93% says you will run across it by 18. And, and what statistic. is first exposure right now? Right now, it's somewhere around 11. 11 uh, most parents think it's 13, 14, 15. No, 11 is uh, average. I've worked with some that have seen it at six, seven, eight years old, mm. all the way back. And so, especially the more we put kids on tablets, are we surprised yeah. that you'd have some six-year-old run across it when he has free, he's got carte blanche on on YouTube or whatever right. it is, you can still run across things on those apps that you shouldn't. Um, not saying go do it, but I'm saying that's how difficult it is to avoid this. And that's why, in my opinion, this is such an important subject is, look, we're speaking to guys 15 to 25. The chances of you as, as our listener and, and as our watcher, the chances of you having run across it is sky high. Oh yeah. I certainly did. I was addicted for 10 years. Like I was a Christian homeschooled kid, you know, the goody two shoes, nobody ever thought it of me. It wasn't even hockey, all my friends. It was me just finding it on my own and engaging in a 10-year addiction to it. This happens more often than you think. And that's the other myth that we don't want you to believe that unfortunately a lot of parents believe, which is the not my kid, right? right? 
Um, right. you, you have a conservative, specifically homeschooled family sometimes with parents that think they're doing a really good job raising their kids. And I'm sure they are for the most sure. part, but they go into it with the mindset of, oh, my kid could never look at that stuff. Right. Or, or, or we do a really good job of sheltering and there's just, there's just no way nine times out of 10, those are the kids that find it. That's exactly Those it. are the kids that fall exactly into addiction. It. And so I want to encourage you as a young person, let's say you're 17 and you've never looked at it. That is fantastic. Good Two for thumbs you, up, man. But don't ever treat it as less of a threat than it is. Right. Don't look at it like hey, that's, you know, that's not really ever going to, no, it, it, it still might be, even if you right. haven't seen it yet. And most likely again, everybody who's watching this has, but you know, don't treat it with, with the way that a lot of parents treat it, which is, ah, there's no way I could ever, there's no way my kids could ever. It's not true. I've worked with people that got addicted to porn at 25 years old at 35 years old. Wow. Um, I've worked with, with porn addicts up into their seventies. Don't act like this. Oh, this is a young kid problem. And, and as long as we get through our, our teenage years or whatever, yeah, you kind of leave behind there. That's not always true. So we just want to come off the bat. That doesn't mean that you are doomed and, and until you're 70, you're going to be struggling. No, no, there's differences in, in each of these cases. At the same time, the point we're trying to get across initially is is kind of inescapable. Yeah. You will come across it. So this is not a podcast so much about, you know, don't come across it or here's how not to come across it. Go back and watch our last episode. I think we did some things on that. Um, this isn't really about how to not come across it. Do whatever you can to not do it. Right. This is an episode of assuming you have come across this uh, just because I imagine most of our listeners have. So let's get into that. What would you say to the guy who's occasionally using? I've run across this. We're talking once a month, twice a month, maybe once a week max. Right. And we were talking before the episode, there there obviously is a difference between that type of person, kind of the occasional user, the one who, you know, twice twice a month or, yep. or maybe once a week not at good. the most, like you're saying. Good. No, it's 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 but it's not a full fledged addiction. Right. There is a difference there and we shouldn't ever conflate those two types of things. So obviously Statistically speaking, Joe, uh, if if we have 500 guys watch this video, how many of them are addicted to pornography? Statistically speaking, of 500, statistically, you're talking anywhere from three to 400. It, it ranges from 60 well to 80 percent, well is over 50 percent, which is crazy. 50. So we acknowledge we're going to be spending the majority of this episode kind of talking more about the addict the addiction side because again, yep. a lot of our listeners or watchers might be unfortunately, but. We acknowledge, and, and you've, I'm sure, dealt with people like this, who they, they're occasional users. They're, they're not occasional. full-fledged addiction, but they're right. occasional users. And for those types of people, kind of some of the more behavioral, behavioral, that's a tough word to say, behavioral <laughs> remedies are going to work better than for somebody who is full-fledged into the addiction. Right. Um, things like software on your phone, on your computer. Um, you're a big proponent of Covenant Eyes yep. is one that, that – and from my research, that's the one that's the best. You put filters that block certain things and block a lot of things. Get into Covenant Eyes real quick because I know that's that's one that you know way more about than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few, you know, Pluck Eye and, and you can look up a bunch of different ones. Bark, is that one? I, I think Bark uh, is, is just parents helping their kids. I think it has to do with that, but gotcha, also gotcha. monitoring text and everything else, if I remember. K9 used to be a big one, Triple X, uh, X3 Watch. Um, yeah, there's another one I just heard from a client. As a matter of fact, uh, I know we're on air here, but let me look it up. I just heard from a client, uh, Purity Browser, hmm. and he's a big proponent of Purity Browser. So, you know, uh, I think that there's might be... a lot be, of options. A lot of options is what yeah. we're saying. The reason why I like Covenant Eyes is it does use VPN. You're trying to get the back door on the Gmail app or whatever. You think, wow, cool, you know, I can go act out this way. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Um, some people figure it out through maps or whatever, Google-related. And... Covenant Eyes blocks that as well. And if it doesn't block it, it doesn't necessarily screen capture the way it does on Safari and on its mm -hmm. own app, but it will send the report and say, hey, this is coming across your phone. So from VPN technology, I think that's really cool. 
on the screen on your computer, it will screen capture. So you put a DVD in, you go, I'm not even connected to the internet. It's right? still, it still screen captures it. It's yeah. still running in the background. So any, and it does a fairly decent job. My wife gets my reports and she'll get a report of, you know, it'll have like a shirtless guy or whatever at the gym. <laughs> and like, what are you looking at? You know, kind of joking about it. But it does recognize to a pretty decent extent these things. And if you're looking at it for any extended period of time, it takes screen capture, sends it to your accountability. I would, I would encourage anybody who maybe you're an occasional user, maybe you feel yourself slipping into more of it, man, install this today. That's like, right. Do not wait. Get this. And it costs money, of course, yeah. but it, install it. And man, there's just so many things that if, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say 17 bucks a month, but what's yeah. your sobriety worth? Yeah, really is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, talking about the behavioral remedies, software is a big one. The the filtering yep. software, accountability partners is, is something that always comes up in this discussion. Oh, yeah. um, again, for the occasional user, find somebody who can really hold you accountable and hold your feet to the fire. And right. we've talked about before, not the one that that you check in with them and they're like, oh man, sorry to hear that you that you slipped up, but let's try let's try to do better next week. Yeah, and then I'll be praying just, for you. See just you. the same thing every week. Right. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about an accountability partner. No. Somebody who is going to dig deep with you and go, okay, what's going on, man? Why, yeah. why, why have you slipped two weeks in a row? Or you know, how can we, somebody who actually tries to solve the problem, That's right. somebody who actually tries to, I don't know, hold you accountable <laughs> versus the people that, you know, just are kind of in it for, you know, the, the sake of it. But accountability partners would be another one. Um, some of the other things you've got are avoiding triggers, which I'll let you get into here in just a second. But these are the behavioral things that we would encourage you start there again, especially right. if you're not, if you would not consider yourself addicted and you're going to get into what defines an addiction here. But these are a lot of things that we shouldn't just brush past. We should look at these things and say, am I doing these things? If not start today. Right. I always try to tell people, put as many roadblocks between you and porn. Yeah, as possible. that's a good way to put it. Doesn't mean, look, if I have 60 speed bumps, I can still get there. It's going to take me a while. Yeah. And it's, it takes so long sometimes that I lose interest. Like, man, I, I guess I don't really want to get there that much. If it's one click away and next thing you know, you're on some horrible website, it takes a lot of self-control not to just click one time. If you have all of these things in place and you have shut down every avenue possible, and I mean, I got to the point you where... You deleted Instagram. You exactly. deleted TikTok. Yeah. I, I deleted all the apps. I deleted YouTube and Twitter and even just in case if I ran across some things. And I still don't have my wife's passcode to her phone. Is it because I'm a, you know still addicted? Not at all. But when I was first married, there was opportunity there that, you know, if I had wanted to act on it, I wasn't as far out of my addiction now that we're seven years. So I, I want to make sure. Yeah. Shut down every avenue possible. Right. And that way, if I wanted it, if I got triggered, man, I had to do a ton of work. That's why it works for those for occasional use as they go, you know, it's not that big a deal. I'm just going to move on. I put those things my way. Is that like the people that say, you know, if you ever start to get the, the temptation or the urge, like go work out or something, right. like go for a run? Is yeah, that kind exactly. of the same idea? Get yeah. busy, do something else, things like that. Um, for those that are occasionally using it, a lot of times that'll work. Right. There's there's other there's the other side of it we're about to get into, but you had mentioned triggers, and I want to say, kind of briefly, give a, a small discussion on triggers because these are so key to the discussion. Yeah. You have to know what triggers you. You're walking along, man. This used to be me and in, in my addiction so bad. Even to this day, I can still get triggered. It's so much more manageable that it's kind of like a backward, you know, back thought, and I know how to like process through it, so it doesn't it doesn't get me the same way. But I would remember I'd walk like somebody would leave home and all of a sudden I went from couldn't care less to I'm ultra aroused just because you were by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like that's bizarre. Why, why in the world? I was fine two seconds ago, but I'm by myself being home alone was a major trigger. So I started, I recognized it and I started asking my mom, don't leave me home alone. I'll go shopping at Kohl's with you or do whatever else. I think I said this on another podcast, but like yeah. 
You make sure that you are avoiding these triggers. Triggers could be sights, sounds, locations, circumstances like being home alone. Locations being like, you know, every time I go to the bathroom, I find myself getting aroused. Um, well, maybe we need to pick a different bathroom. Maybe we need to leave the phone out of the bathroom. Maybe we need to, you yeah. know what I mean? So we start looking at those things. Um, it could be certain media you run across. Every time I get on Reddit or whatever it is, I find myself kind of getting aroused. If you're at that state, it's going to be really difficult to avoid those things. It could be emotions. This is a big one. I'll ask, ask my clients a lot of times, so like, what triggered you? Man, I was just so stressed. I had so much school, or I yeah. had this, or work's been really difficult. And so in my emotions, in my stress, I ran to porn. It could be loneliness. It could be sadness. It could be anger. It could be all these things. Boredom, so pay attention. About, yeah. Boredom is a huge one. Pay attention to these triggers. But I'll say this, and then we'll briefly move on, because I could go into a lot of detail on you know, what I do. You really so could. Yeah. I, I really could keep you here for hours talking about the triggers. But here's the thing. Why is boredom a trigger? Why is loneliness a trigger? Why is me being home alone a trigger? Because it, it shows that I'm lonely. Well, what's the problem with being lonely? I should be fine being lonely. Because when I'm lonely, it tells me I'm unworthy of love. Yeah. So the trigger itself is not just I'm home alone. The trigger ultimately, when we break it down to its core, is I'm unworthy of love. What's the problem with boredom? I should be fine being bored. Plenty of people are bored. That's half of life. We're all bored, right? Why am I running to porn in my boredom? Because a lot of times when I'm bored, I feel useless. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything. I'm not active. And when I'm not active, I'm feeling useless. And when I'm useless, I feel like I'm worthless. Because my usefulness uh, is equal to my worth so and my value. you're to porn to fill the void. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Porn is filling the void of me feeling worthless and useless. And this all comes all the way up to the top from boredom. And so that's why it's important to understand triggers and where they come from. And this is where you belabored the point before that sometimes adults, specifically older ones, just don't get the the layers. Like the, everything you just broke down. It's like I, I, I imagine 60 to 70 percent, if not more, of adults don't know that. Like right. they just think, oh, it's just a vice. It's just a, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it's just a really bad habit. It's just something that kids Those do. Those perverts just need to stop. Right. Like it's such a, it's so much deeper than that. And I, again, I didn't know that before, you know, I got to be really good friends with Joe and he started sharing those things. It's like, wow, no, that, that for a lot of these guys, that is yeah. the, the unworthy feeling of love. And so we're halfway in and we haven't even gotten to the, the addicted part yet. So let's right. go ahead and move on. Yes. To, let's get into that. You know, we, we've covered kind of some of the behavioral things. Again, if you're an occasional user and you're somebody who's finding yourself doing it once a month, whatever, or twice a month. And, you know, kind of starting to slip into it, start, start these behavioral uses, like find an accountability partner, get some software. Um, but let's talk about those who are truly addicted. Yeah. Because again, statistically speaking, 60 to 80% of our listeners and watchers right now are addicted to pornography. And so let's talk about how does somebody know, because I would say it's not just how many times per week do you do it? How many times per month do you look at it? Whatever. Um, how does somebody know if they're truly addicted? How does somebody know the difference between, well, I'm an occasional user yeah. again, not justifying it cause that's not okay at all. Right. But obviously it's a deeper issue if they're truly addicted. What's the difference? There's markers of addiction. You see this with, with any drug with alcohol. How do I know I'm an alcoholic? Signs of addiction are increase in use and the content is what I'll say. Like you may be looking at girls in their swimsuits, and next thing you know, you're finding yourself... It gets yourself, more and more graphic. Exactly, yeah. and you're increasing in that. And I'm, I'm blanking on the term, and I meant to put it down in the outline, but there's a term in terms of like what we are really seeking, and it's a lot more aggressive, and it's a lot more um, detrimental to us. So it's no this longer... This is why, and that, you know, a lot of guys who, who start out you know, looking at the swimsuits or Playboy or whatever... 
if they keep it up, they get into the harder stuff. They get into gay part. Like there's so oh, many, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. Josh Duggar got into some yeah. real Horrible bad stuff, stuff, you know? And so, and a lot of guys think, oh, I can, I can control it or I can master it. I'm just looking at Instagram models or I'm just yeah. looking at, you know, girls on Instagram or whatever. It can get so much worse. Again, D- Duggar is who I thought of the yeah. first game. You got into child porn and Which stuff. doesn't mean that you always will. And it's, right, I was, right, right. I was told that, you know, of well, what if you get into child porn? Most guys don't. But to your point, the escalation in content, you run across some things. I had another client that I was speaking with, and he was so freaked out by it because on the side there was a little ad, and he's like, that looks underage. And it freaked him out so much. It's like, I got to I gotta do something about this. Like, this is not okay. Uh, these things. He never went back to the site. And, and it kind of woke him up to, maybe this is an addiction. Like, I'm getting now ads for some really bad stuff. And yeah, fully clothed, but like, that's not that's yeah. not okay. Um, so yes, increase in, in, in escalation in content would be number one. The number two would be compulsivity. I, I crave it. I need it. There actually are withdrawal symptoms from porn. The restlessness, irritability, the sweats. Um, hmm. night terrors, things like that. People don't know this, but I've worked with dozens of clients at this point, including myself, and withdrawal symptoms are very normal for somebody who's addicted. So if you try stopping porn for a week, see what happens. Are you more irritable? Are you having trouble sleeping? Are you having trouble with appetite? Things like that. Yeah. Um, all of those things can be, but it's compulsive. That's number two. And number three would be you can't quit despite repeated attempts and despite negative consequences. So you'll see these guys that lose their jobs. It doesn't have to be this drastic, but guys will lose their jobs based off of looking at porn at work. Like, yeah, you're pretty addicted because yeah. now negative stop. things are happening. You can't stop. So those are some signs for you to look for in your own life as you say, well, I'm just looking at girls on Instagram and hasn't really gotten bad. And, and um, you know, it's, it's kind of an occasional use. Look, is it compulsive? Do you find yourself craving pulling up Instagram to look at it? If the cravings are there, you're probably either on your way to addiction or you're already there. And just be honest enough with yourself to say, this does happen. The scientific community will say there's no such thing as porn addiction. The DSM-5, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that we use in in, um, therapy, doesn't have sexual addiction. The DSM-5, I did not It does not have it in there. I believe the ICD-11, which is for a different, but we kind of use it, I believe that one does um, but they don't have it in there. And so there's a lot of the scientific community that says this is not an addiction. Well, I'm here to tell you it has all the hallmarks of addiction because we would look at this for an alcoholic and say, yep, you're addicted. Same thing's happening here with the withdrawal symptoms, compulsivity, all of that stuff. Um, so yes, if you are addicted, this is now for the next thing. And what you'll often hear is, well, all the behavioral things. Yeah. I mean, the books, I'm sure you've read some books and seen things like that just from us growing up as, as good Christian homeschooler right. kids. Our parents shoved things, you know, all these books and, hey, read this. And all these books are the things that we talked about at the beginning. Accountability partners, software, get rid of your stuff and avoid your triggers. Cool. I did that and I stayed addicted for a decade. Right. That's why we wanted to take it the next step deeper is most of what you're going to hear is everything we've already covered. But there's a deeper side of it. Yeah, which, sense. and this is something you've always harped on, which is... You're running to porn for a reason. You know, there's there's a hole that you're trying to fill, right. and you kind of already hit on this sometimes. You know, a bit with the unworthy of love thing, but I would encourage everybody try to diagnose why it is that you run to it. What what is the hole that you're trying to fill? Um, and you th- you think about there, there's all kinds of things that can go into it, and I I feel like I'm the guy who is sitting across from the table from Elon Musk telling him how good I am at running a business. Like I am not qualified <laughs> to talk about this as much as Joe. No, is. You're, like, you're all good. I'm sitting you're across from, from LeBron James talking uh, about hardly. My, my basketball career. Like, give no, me a you're break. sitting across from some high school player. Yeah. Not, <laughs> no. not LeBron. Like but, Joe uh, knows so much about this, but um, there's a lot of things 
that can play into this for young kids, like the yeah. trauma that they experienced Absolutely. growing up, the um, the relationship with their parents, yeah. the relationship with, with, with uh, you yeah. hear stories about older siblings and, and younger siblings as far as getting them into porn. And yeah. so, you know, we're not coming at this from the perspective of like we talked about with the older people, like, well, you got just, just stop it. It's, it's, it's really easy. Like, just right. stop it. Like we're acknowledging that's not the case. But one of the things that I really wanted to hit on for this episode, and obviously this is probably where we'll, we'll wrap with this part kind of at the end as well, but you have to decide, do you actually want to quit? Yeah. You have to decide, is this something that you want to beat or are you just content to stay knee deep, waist deep, chest deep in this yeah. temptation and in this, not even temptation, in this addiction, in this behavioral lifestyle, we're going to get to the end of, of some kind of real world consequences that a lot of young kids don't think about. Right. A lot of 16, 17 year olds, they think very short term. They think... What's going to, what am I going to enjoy in the next 24 hours? What's going to bring me the most pleasure and happiness? And so they get into this, not thinking about how it's going to affect them. And so again, we'll say this at the end, decide right now, just like we talked about with lust, that you're going to do everything you can to beat it and avoid it. Because if you're kind of like, eh, I'm on the fence, yeah, I'd like to stop. But you know, if you're not committed to it, you never will. Right. That's such a good point. It has to be. And we probably should have started with that. You have to have, I always tell my clients, you have to have a killer instinct. You have to kill this thing. You yep. have to want it out of your life so badly um, that that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get free and to find sobriety. There's other sides of it that, that I won't necessarily go into in terms of you having to love your addict self. But this comes from a to what you were saying. Like We don't feel worthy of love yeah. a lot of the time, and this trauma does it. Bad situation with family and and with maybe siblings, with your parents, um, bullying. I've, I've worked with... I keep saying I've worked with... I apologize, but that's again, what I do for a living. And so, you know, I've had so many guys that they've been bullied in school and it just scarred them. And it's like, I'm worthless, man. Nobody wants me. And they run to porn and they never connect the two. And so to the real world consequences, that's the future side of it. We don't think about how it's going to affect our future, but we're not thinking about how it's rooted in our past. How the past affects it. Exactly. We only look at the present and go, man, why can't I figure out the present? Porn is not the problem. It's the symptom of the problem. Mm -hmm. It is an escape from the problem. What's the problem? All of those emotions that make you feel worthless. We call this an intimacy disorder. For yeah, a I was wanting you to get into this. So go ahead and get into that part. Yeah, we call it an intimacy disorder because intimacy is vulnerability plus authenticity. I've heard into me, you see, I used to say to know and to be known. But a, a book that I love called Tinsa, T-I-N-S-A, Trauma-Induced Sexual Addiction from Dr. Michael Barta. Um, he says that intimacy is vulnerability plus authenticity. And I love that. And I use that a lot. Can you be vulnerable with people? Mm-hmm. And can you be authentic with people? Because it's easy to be vulnerable, but you're not really authentic, or vice versa. Where I'm super authentic, but I'm I'm like yeah. super shallow. Yeah. There's nothing of depth there. I'm not really vulnerable in showing you these things. We run to porn because we don't feel close to people. And then what happens when we engage in porn and we masturbate? Shame. Shame, yeah. and we feel even worse. Yeah. Now it's like I can't get close to people. If they knew the real me, they'd reject me. And so what we do is we have this projection of ourselves. We project that... Um, this is this is like, and I had the same thing, Goody Two-Shoes Joe. Mm-hmm. And Goody Two-Shoes Joe is the perfect kid, man. He's getting good grades at school. He's got you a know, ton of Bible knowledge. A ton yeah. of Bible knowledge. We'd do sword drills at, at uh, church, and I'd whip everybody, right? <laughs> nice. Most of I, I may have some friends who used to. They'd, we'd go back and forth and, and whatnot. But either way, meanwhile, I would come home, and I would be doing terrible things and looking yeah. at horrible things every night. But I had this projection of me that... that everybody loved well what's the problem with that they loved the projection joe they didn't love real joe and if real joe ever showed up if addict joe ever showed up they'd reject me and they'd hate me Mm -hmm. and so this drives the addiction yeah because anytime that part shows up you go well i gotta run from that and we feel 
constantly unworthy of love. So it's important for us to be able to give ourselves love. And we do this through trauma techniques and such in therapy. But what I would say for those that aren't going to engage in therapy, for the average guy that's listening, you need to first off, figure out where you started to lose love. Bullying, parental situations, a trauma, whatever it is. Figure out where you stopped feeling love, you started losing love, and then we need to go back and we need to make that right and we need to meet with your younger self. You need to have some way of getting in contact with your younger self and saying, and you're really worthy of love. I often have people visualize, we call it reparenting, and visualize kind of that situation. And they pull their younger selves out of the situation and then they just give them a hug and they and they sit there with them, right? And they love them and they give them the love. They reparent. They mm-hmm. give them what their parents could not give them. And it's a really powerful exercise. And so I hate to kind of turn this into a therapy session, but honestly, if you're really addicted, that's one of the best ways to get out of and it. And from your experience of, of working with people, it's worked. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons true accountability works so well is because it is, it should be unconditional love from your peers and from people that know you at your worst. So if you're not fully vulnerable with your accountability partners, if you're not authentic with them, you're once again lacking intimacy, um, which everybody says is sex, but it's not. But you're robbing yourself because the point of accountability is to be able to be open with them, to share these deepest, darkest parts of yourself that you hate and that you're not proud of and for them to go, yeah, but I still love you. That's what true accountability is. It's exactly it. I'm showing up for you week after week after week. I'm praying for you. I'm crying with you. I'm coming over to your house. I'm studying with you. I'm figuring out how we can do it. And that's, I didn't do the trauma work initially. I've got done some trauma work on myself since, but initially what pulled me out is having three guys look me in the eye and tell me I'm so worthy of love when I felt lower than dirt. Mm-hmm. That's what pulls you out of it is love. That's yeah. really at the basis of all of this. And that's why it's so important. Shame robs us of that. When we feel that we say, I'm not worthy in the shame cycle of, you know, I'm, I'm feeling worthless. And so I act out. And when I act out, I feel worthless. And when I feel worthless, I act out. You know what I mean? It just yeah. kind of goes like in this cycle Grace is what breaks through that. Somebody shows me grace. Christ showed us grace. God gave us love when we were at our worst. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, and it's important I, to feel that. That's what I was going to say. We haven't brought that up yet, but tied directly to this point. God still loves you even when you're looking at porn. That's right. God still loves you even when you are, again, waist, neck, head deep into this addiction. If you ever get, to, Don't ever get to the point where you're like, well, you know, I'm unworthy of love with, with my peers, with my family, with my friends. I'm also unworthy of love with God. Don't ever get to that point because right. that, that's not true. And, and to Joe's point, understanding that from everything that you've told me about, every everything that you've worked with people on, that's the quick, not quickest, that's the surest way to get out of, of, of this kind of addiction is to understand God loves you and, and you're, you are worthy of love even right. at your absolute worst. Yeah. It's because we stay in the addiction, not just from shame cycle. I've worked with guys that... They feel like, and I was the same exact way, two days, three days, I'm praying to God, I'm really sorry, but if I don't go three days, I really can't even pray to God until then. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe after, maybe a week, if I'm sober for a week, I can kind of hold my head up high and feel a little more justified. Like you're inching your way closer to God type of thing. Exactly. I'm so low. I'm so underneath the dirt. I'm not even at the, the, the ground level. I'm below that, that I need to do something to really show that I'm sorry. And so maybe after a week or whatever... When's enough? Who decides a week? It's all arbitrary. We just decided that. And it's works-based salvation. And what I ask clients, I said, I say, you know, when does God love you more? When you're looking at porn or when you're in church? And I've had a lot of them get it wrong. When I'm in church, that's wrong. He loves you the exact same at all times. And that's so important to remember. So to stay out of the shame cycle, you act out. And what I would remind myself when I started getting clean is 
you know, Christ knew I was going to do it and he died on the cross anyway. Mm -hmm. I've been forgiven of this sin. I've already been forgiven. I don't need to beat myself up. Why am I going to beat myself up more than God? Like, am I more of a judge than God himself and than Christ? No. If he's forgiven me, why can't I forgive myself? And I noticed that my recovery periods and these binging moments that I'd get on stopped because I was willing to say, I've been forgiven of this. Right. And I'd hold my head up 15 minutes after I just got done masturbating and I'd hold my head up and I'd say, let's, you know, I, I'm moving on. I'm doing something better. I'm not staying in this. And yes, I'm using the, the difficult language. So if you're triggered, I apologize. But that's the real world situation here right. is I'm not going to shy away from things like that because that's what we're doing. And it's important to know we don't have to stay in our shame. And I want to encourage everybody, we referenced the real world consequences earlier. This is what we all, we, we would be remiss if we didn't hit on this. The right. fact that again, a lot of 16, 17, goodness, even 20 year old guys are not thinking about how does this truly affect future relationships? Right. How does this affect your spouse? You know, if you're 16 and you're, you know, in a porn addiction, that's going to affect your wife, you know, whether whether you think it will or not. That's going to affect the way that you view her. That's going to affect your wedding night, all these things. And so think about these things. Again, it can be so easy to just, oh, that's that's so far away. I'm, right. I'm way away from marriage. I'm not going to be married for another five, six, seven years. Um, you know, you think about the consequences of what it does to your brain. You know, that's something that my dad has talked about a lot with the, the way it literally it carves out path neurological pathways to where your, right. your dopamine and all these things, it just... So again, I'm super unqualified to talk about those things, but I know it can be very easy to not consider what it's doing to your brain, what it's going to do to your spouse. And so my only encouragement, then I'll hand it back to you, think about these things. Yeah. Consider, think about the woman that you're going to marry one day. Maybe you've never met her, but think about her and consider, yeah. you know, and this is not to put you in a shame a shame cycle. Right. This is not to, you know, bury you in guilt, but it's to, to remind you that, that your addiction does not just affect you. Sure. It does not just affect your you know state of mind and your mental state it's going to affect your your future spouse or maybe even your current spouse as well that's right what do you have, to we have to no we have to consider that's that's yeah. such a good point where we want to end is we've talked about the past we've talked about where it might come from we've talked about the present and maybe some of those behavioral things but the future is where we need to also consider if there are real world consequences as you talked about we carve the brain i always say there's like it's a grand canyon if you drop a marble and you've got the grand canyon next what do you think it's where, where's the marble going to go yeah so this is like a thought or a trigger as you drop it whoo, goes right in, into that groove that we've created we have to start carving out new pathways that when we're triggered when we're home alone first off we avoid that for a while where this starts to to heal itself but then we create new triggers when i'm home alone i find myself going into my shop or whatever else i find myself working out or i find myself getting on the phone and calling somebody. And so I start associating this nerve cells that fire together, wire together. That's a big thing for triggers. We start associating staying home with that. And so from a brain chemistry point, it does change that. Yeah. Um, it can cause erectile dysfunction. We're seeing that the the um, main users of Viagra are 30-year-olds and under in men. You think, Crazy. well, Viagra, there's always 65-year-olds on the commercials because it's for old guys. <laughs> oh, well, not really. The main people getting it are under 30 years old. Why is that? Porn-induced yeah. erectile dysfunction. Look it up. P- well, maybe don't, but PIED is a is a, an actual thing that's taking place. Porn-induced erectile dysfunction. It does physically affect the body. It does affect future relationships. There's this myth that once I get married, it's all I'm right. good. <laughs> of course, marriage is going to solve it because it's a sex problem. No, it's not. It's an emotional problem. You're running to it because you don't feel worthy of love. And you- that is backed up by goodness dozens, hundreds, thousands of stories I know that you've heard that I've certainly heard of oh, the yeah. guys that have a seven-year addiction 
they get married and sure maybe they're good for six months and then that that follows them into the marriage and guess what that creates marital strife i'm glad you said that why are they good for six months is it the sex i think it's because they feel like they're loved by their spouse bingo yeah. they have now received the attachment that they always wanted why does it stop it stops the moment their wife ever turns them down for sex. It stops the moment their wife yells at them for the first time. When the honeymoon phase starts to kind of wane a little bit and it goes down a little bit, all of a sudden those feelings of worthlessness back. flood back in. Yeah. Their wife said something that triggered them and they, I've always run to the addiction. Why wouldn't I again? Whereas porn maybe had not even barely entered their mind in the That's last right. six months. Yeah. I've been in, in so much love and everything has been great. And then when things start to kind of come down, they run back to porn because that's all they know. So yes, getting in a relationship, you say, I'm healed. I'm solved. I'm, I'm in a better place. For a time, for a time, then you're going to engage in it, and then you have a choice to make. Do I tell her immediately, mm. or do I not? And the guys that don't really don't do well because yeah. now it's hidden, and then they act out even more because if she knew, she would hate me. And if they do say, that's also a problem too. So there's a lot to consider there. Yeah. And the last thing, it does cause social anxiety. It causes a lot of social anxiety. I have a difficult time looking guys in the eyes because what if they see? Has anybody been at church when somebody... That's the vulnerability you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. I can't be vulnerable. Has anybody been at church where the guys mentioned pornography? I mean, my cheeks are naturally red, but it's like, yeah. how, how does he know? It, he knows it's me, right? right? And I used to get so terrified and my face was just completely <laughs> red. And I was so afraid that they were looking at me. How does he know? And in reality, probably 70% of the guys, they were doing the same exact yeah. thing. We're all anxious about it. We can't look each other in the eyes because there's this lack of vulnerability there. So it causes social anxiety. And a great book, there is some language in the book, I apologize, but it's called Your Brain on Porn um, by uh, Gary Wilson, I believe is the guy's name. And he recently passed away, actually. But um, he did a really good job of documenting these things of how it affects you. But coming back around to it, there are real-world consequences for this. Do not just think that, hey, this is me in this moment. It has very yeah, real possibilities of affecting, ripple effects, exactly, going into the future and causing you problems. Doesn't mean there's not healing from it. That's what I specialize in. I've been healed myself. Doesn't mean there's not difficult days or, or triggers or whatever else, temptations from time to time. I'm a guy. But it's so much more manageable. So there's hope, and we want to and offer that. That's where we want to end. This has been a heavy episode. All right, the heaviest one we've done other than maybe the, the lust episode. This has been a, a tough one, but you can beat it. It, right. it is, don't ever think that you're right. so deep down in the, in the dark hole that there is no hope of ever seeing the light. It's not true. First of all, you have God's grace, as That's we've right. already discussed. It's already the price has already been paid. It's already been you've already been bought at a price. And so again, you you can be. Don't ever get to that point where you think all hope is lost because right. the minute you do, the minute you get to that point, you have just made itself made your, made it a thousand times harder on yourself to beat that yeah. addiction. Um, but I mean, you've worked with how many people who maybe thought that they never would beat it and have. Yeah. And so, you know, Joe's done a ton of work in this area and this is something that a lot of guys think is just hopeless. You know, yeah. they've just kind of resigned themselves to it. That's not the case. Right. You're not hopeless. You're worthy of love. And I'm telling you that looking right at you. You're worthy of love. And that's not Joe saying it. I can tell you that because I know God loves you. It, I'm not saying I... You know, you God has this. already proven that you're worthy of love. That's exactly right. it. He doesn't have to prove anymore. You always hear these YouTubers, you are so worthy of love. It's like, based off what? You love me, you don't even know me, right? And that's easy to say, like, I love you. I don't know you, you know, but you are worthy of love. And I love you as, as, as the, with the love of the Lord. I love you in Christ. And I love you with the ability to say, man, you're worthy of love. You're more than this. And porn is robbing you of your ability to feel it. Don't let it. Get yourself some help. Seek this help. Seek sobriety. Get out of it. The, the life 
a sober life, a free life is better than anything you can imagine when you're really addicted to this. Um, you're worthy of love and just know that. I, I need you to rest in that and to believe that and to get rid of or, or to process through anything that's causing you to not believe that. We'll wrap right there. Go to God in prayer over it. Seek therapy. Um, start these these things that we've talked about, the behavioral things, and, and really kind of diagnosing why is it that you run to porn. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Obviously, much different, probably a little bit lighthearted, a little go. bit lighter of a subject. But um, we appreciate you sticking with us. Again, very, very serious topic, but uh, do everything you can to, to combat Satan in this. Uh, anything else to add before we wrap up? Nope. If not, thanks for joining us for episode 28. Great to have Joe back. And we'll be back next week for episode 29 of the Godly Young Men podcast. Thanks for watching.